friends, and welcome to Wednesday, January the 5th. Happy New Year once again. Thanks for joining me for this Wednesday's episode of Enough for Today. We're in Psalm 33. First few verses of this psalm call us to worship and to celebrate, to sing. And then the next few verses give us reasons why. And the first reason is God's word. And we've been talking the last couple of days about the power of his word to ground us, to give us a framework of understanding and truth and to lead us in discernment and judgment uh, and give us our bearings in a world that seems to be losing its mind with every passing day. And so welcome to a world of confusion and chaos, but welcome to a word of stability and truth and hope and good news. And so we talked about consuming the Word of God this year, and I hope you've got a reading plan. I hope you've got books of the Bible that you want to, in, in particular, dive into and really digest and consume um, and, uh, and, and really understand. I like to get into a book that I don't know uh, the, the whole view of the book. Like I did this this past week, I did Ezekiel. I was preaching from Ezekiel. I've never spent a lot of time in Ezekiel. It's kind of an intimidating book. And so, um, you know, I preach from the King James Version of the Bible for translational reasons. Um, but this week I decided to pick up and read the book of Ezekiel in other translations. And I found it uh, to be not nearly as intimidating, frankly. And I really uh, enjoyed understanding the narrative of what was going on in Ezekiel's life. I used a good study Bible to understand a little bit of the background and the timing and the circumstances. And, uh, and, then, and then reading those visions, it, it, was, it gave you a sense of the heart of God and the hope of his plan. You know, God gave us these, these books in particular, prophets, uh, were given to show us the heart of God. They were not given uh, as like coded messages that we're to spend, you know, lots of time in mystical imagination to decode. That was not at all the intention. That is not at all the intention of God. Uh, the ancient Israelites that received the book of Ezekiel were given that book, those messages, for a handful of reasons. Number one, repentance. God was calling back people that were far from him to come back to him before judgment fell. It wasn't theirs to try to figure out the nuances of the judgment or the end of time. It was theirs to repent. The second reason uh, was warning. For those that were unrepentant, God was giving fair warning that if you choose sin and idolatry and wickedness, this will be your end. It's not going to go well. And the third reason was encouragement. Now listen, my friend, I'm a little off track from Psalms, but that's okay. This is good information. Three reasons God gives us biblical prophecy. Repentance, warning, and encouragement. And for the 21st century believer, you could also say mission, okay? Ours is to... And, Frankly, Ezekiel too. He was a watchman. We are the bearers of the gospel until these events come to pass. Some of them have come to pass. Some of them are coming, excuse me, coming to pass right now. Some of them have yet to come to pass. But when we get into the word of God, we find out that he is true to his word and he will do some things that he's promised to do. And I said to the church on Sunday, because he will do some things, that means he is that means he is doing some things. He is active right now in our lives. Well, we pick it up today in really verses 6 through about uh, 9 of Psalm 33. And so read it with me. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So now we get a sense of not only his word, 
but his power. Again, remember verses 1 through 3, celebrate God, praise him, rejoice in his presence. Why? Why in 2022 should we rejoice? Well, number one, because we've got the word of God. And number two, because the power of God is evident in creation, in our lives, and all around us. So we serve not only a God who's given us his word to anchor us and instruct us and guide us, but we, we serve a God and we belong to a God who has given us his power. His power holds us and sustains us. So let's read about his power. The word of the Lord uh, made the heavens and the host of all them by the breath of his mouth. He, he, uh, he spoke all of this into existence. That's the power that holds you. That's the power that sustains me and you today in 2022. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. What is the meaning of verse 7? Well, it's kind of a metaphor. Uh, it's, a, it's a very specific literal. Is there such a thing as a literal metaphor? He's using a literal illustration to make a metaphorical point. Okay, The literalness of it is that God knows uh, he dis- determined what part of the planet would be earth and what part would be sea. And he gathered the waters where he wanted them and made the land where he wanted it. Okay. But the second part, he layeth up the depth in storehouses. In other words, he knows all of the, um, the, the geographical nuances of the ocean bottoms. He knows the depths and the cavernous depths. He knows where the most water resides The idea is that there's no part of this earth that God isn't intimately 100% in an omniscient way acquainted with. So that's the literal sense of it. But what is the point? The point is there's nothing. If God knows the depths of the planet, if God knows the deepest, darkest caverns of the ocean beds, then God knows everything. There is nothing that escapes his notice or his attention. There's nothing that slips through his fingers or passes by him or surprises him. There's nothing that occurs to him. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. Now, this is so assuring, and it would have been assuring to a Hebrew worshiper as it's assuring to us today because God is intimately acquainted with every detail of the world as we experience it and know it. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but filter it this way for a minute. We are acquainted with more information than we've ever been acquainted with, and most of it we can't do anything about. It comes into our eyes and ears and minds and begins to wreak havoc and emotional turmoil, uh, but there's nothing we can really do about it in most cases. Now, in some cases there are. We can respond or we can have a, a say or an influence, but probably 99% of the information we consume, we, we in our position, in our finite place, uh, cannot do functionally, practically anything about it. Maybe we can pray, okay? But uh, you get my point, okay? But God never has that experience. In other words, there's nothing that escapes his attention. And everything that happens on planet Earth, he is either... Um, orchestrating or permitting. And even uh, the difficult things to understand, he's permitting for a season to bring about greater outcomes. All things work together for good. So my friend, the promise of verse seven is that there's nothing that escapes God's notice. Let's read verse eight and we'll call it for today. Let all the earth fear the Lord. The result 
of verses 5, 6, and 7 should be humbling. That I should stand in awe. This is what the rest of the verse says. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. That my posture towards God. We live in a world that is flipping God off and shaking its fist in his face. We live in a world that has denied him and pretends he does not exist. And that his word is not supernatural. And that he did not ever visit the planet. We live in a world that denies Uh, And frankly, the narrative is hostile. It is a predisposition of hostility towards God, towards his existence, towards his acts in humanity and on planet Earth, and towards anybody that really chooses to believe in him. There's a predisposition. We're not living in a rational day. We're not living in a logical day. Um, We're not living in a scientific day, okay? Because if we're truly going to follow the science not only are we going to make, you know, um, uh, short-term conclusions about gender and about when life begins in the womb and things like that based on science, but in the big picture, science points to the existence of God. And we would conclude by science that there is the existence of supernaturality and that there is a God, there is an intelligent designer, there's a mind and heart behind all of creation and behind uh, even the design of the human soul and the human psyche. So all of that realization should cause us to be humbled before him. It should cause us to uh, lower ourselves in fear of him and in reverence of him and in awe of him. Now, I want you to see something in verse 8, the word fear and awe. These are kind of counters. They're kind of synonyms, okay? The concepts are synonymous. There's two kinds of fear. There's terror and then there's reverence. And when you hear in the word of God that we are to fear the Lord, it's a call to humility and awe and reverence before him. Now, my friend, if you reject God and you choose not to live in awe and reverence of him, then he is terrifying. He is a force to be feared in terms of terror. Okay, But when you know God, when you come to him on the basis of faith, on the basis of his grace and goodness through Jesus on the cross, through the gospel, You're received into his love and you live before him in fear and humility and reverence and awe and it simply changes your posture towards him. And uh, and that's a good place to be. So my friends, we serve a powerful God. He's good, he is for you, he loves you. And the call today is reverence him. Stand in awe of your God, rest in his power at work in your life today. Happy Wednesday, and we'll see you tomorrow.